0: just want to say one more time his name is a reminder his name is a reminder the name of jesus is a reminder for us for whenever we come to service or whenever we come before his presence for us to know that there is no judgment there because his name is god saves god redeems god heals god restores god forgives god justifies that's the name of jesus you know, when the angel appeared to Mary, the, the child was given to Mary, but she didn't name the child. The child came with the name. You guys remember the story of Christmas? God told through the angel um, that, the name should, that the child should be named Jesus, for he should save God's people. That he would save us and forgive us of our sins. Amen. That's his name. God is in the business of saving and restoring and redeeming, and making us whole, making us right with him and keeping us that way. So whenever you come to service, his name is a reminder. Every time we say Jesus, man, you, I just hope something is stirred within you. When you hear the name Jesus, even if someone is using that name in vain, don't, don't, don't feel all offended because that name is beautiful. Even when it's used in vain, when you hear it, just give child a shout of praise. Because it's a reminder. His name is a reminder. Even if it's in the mouth of unbelievers, it's a reminder. He saves. Hello, you guys with me? Anyway, I'm going to be brief today. I love these moments of worship. I said it before. Sometimes there's more power in these moments of worship than in the sharing of the word. Um, and, and that's why I want to say, man, like, so many times we come to these moments of worship and we're timid and we're shy. And I get it. We have different personalities. I'm, I'm with you. I'm there with you. I'm an introvert, okay? I'm not, I'm not really um, um, extrovert. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the center of attention, you know. Um, for me, uh, to make friends, it's a slow, tedious process. I'm very friendly, trust me. But, you know, I'm just shy. I'm just very timid. But these moments of worship, we just can't come into the presence of God timid. And so many times the reason behind these feelings is that we, we, we're just feeling like we're not good enough. We feel like we're not worthy enough to be there. Or we feel like we're on God's bad side. So we're kind of, you know what, let me, I'm just going to be here and feel the atmosphere, feel the vibe. I'm just here. We're, we're, you're not engaging. But let me tell you, engage. Why, why can you? Because Jesus has made a way. Jesus loves you. When we come into his presence for these moments of worship and adoration and exaltation, it's not for judgment. He meets us with love and kindness, even when we come as we are. You know, the Bible is not uh, Jesus. He, it, he makes an invitation. It's not the invitation for you to change yourself before you come. It's come and you will be changed by him. Like, Don't polish yourself and make yourself holy before you come. You come, he will make you holy. You don't got that power. You know, don't make yourself right and then come. You don't have that power to be made right with God. It's come as you are. He will make you right. And then when you come, it's not the power is not to own us. The burden is not on you to keep yourself right. He will keep yourself right. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Um, so, the message I want to share um, today is about communion. The holy communion. And... Um, Uh, Many of us, even if if we've been part of a church, if we've been uh, coming to to church for a longer period of time, we kind of know what it means. Uh, But today I just want to really clarify some things because it's really special. It's really beautiful, the meaning behind communion. It's powerful. It's powerful. And so many times we're lacking in revelation in regards to this one thing that Jesus told us to do. Uh, Jesus was the one that told us, look, do this, do this. And there's a reason behind every church, basically, almost every church across the United States, m- usually it's the first Sunday of the month that they do it, they share communion. And there's a reason behind it. We all do it, or most of us believers anyway. Th- there's a reason behind it. And what is that reason? It's powerful. And I want to share with you about this. Today And we're going to start with the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 26. Actually, let's go to Luke, Luke chapter 22. I'm sorry, guys, let's go to Luke. Matthew chapter 26, it's the same thing. The Gospels, they, they repeat some of, the, some of the words of Jesus. But Let's go to Luke, Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 19. In the words of Jesus um, about the Holy Communion, look at what the Bible says. And he took bread, namely Jesus, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So we're laying out a foundation right now of what this is, what communion is. In the words of Jesus, first and foremost, he tells us why we should do this. He says, do this, why? In remembrance of me. Isn't that right? Why do we share communion? Because when we do it, we do it in remembrance of Jesus. So the communion that we share as a church serves as a reminder for us. And it's a reminder of something. And if Jesus was the one telling us, look, remind yourself of this thing, don't you agree with me that it's important? Wouldn't you agree with me that when Jesus tells us, hey, remind yourself of something, wouldn't you agree that the reason behind Jesus telling us to remind ourselves of something is because it's important? (laughs) It's because it matters. Hello, you guys with me? It matters. It's important. What are we reminding ourselves of? First first and foremost, of Jesus Himself. Of Jesus Himself. And pay attention, we don't do it in remembrance of us. We don't do it in memory of us, of our sins, of our shortcomings, of our problems, of our flaws, of our mistakes. We don't do it in remembrance of us, we do it in remembrance of someone else. Jesus, Jesus, like the whole point is that Jesus wants us focused on him. The whole goal is that Jesus wants us to have our eyes fixed on him. That matters. That matters. In other words, Jesus is saying, fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on me. Look, remember what I've done. Remember my sacrifice. Remember, remember my finished and perfect work on the cross. Like, I want you to know what took place. I want you to remember what happened. I want you to, to, to know the implications behind the sacrifice. Like, in other words, what did it what did it mean? What did the sacrifice of Jesus mean? What does it mean to you as a believer? What are the practical implications of the sacrifice of Jesus, of the finished perfect work of Christ on the cross for us who believe? What does it mean to us? Jesus wants us to share communion, to to serve as a reminder, to serve as a reminder. So then first he says, this is my body. And he's holding the bread And he's saying, look, this bread, when we share communion, represents my body. And the prophet Isaiah would say that the body of Christ was crushed on our behalf to bring us peace and healing. By his stripes, we are healed. The punishment that was upon him brought us peace, Isaiah 53. The punishment... That befell on Jesus was to bring us peace. Hello, you guys with me? Look, this is really deep. What punishment was this? Jesus never deserved any punishment. (laughs) Jesus never deserved to be condemned for sin. He lived a sinless life. He was perfect in all his ways. He was good beyond measure. He met God's perfect standard. He was completely righteous. He is completely just. What punishment befell upon Jesus? Our very own punishment. Our condemnation. He was condemned on our behalf. He was punished on our behalf. That's why when Jesus says in his own words, he says this, pointing to the the bread, pointing to the bread, saying, is my body which is given for you. Like his body given up on the cross. I want you to have this image of the cross because we share communion to remind ourselves of that, of the cross. Jesus says that body of his that was hanging on the cross physically, it wasn't, look, it wasn't just the pain of the nails. It wasn't just the pain and the hurt and the humiliation. Spiritually speaking, he was being crushed by the sheer weight of God's righteous and holy wrath. I know these are tough words. (laughs) Wrath and anger, God has a righteous and holy and good anger and wrath towards sin. He hates it. He hates it. And because we were the sinners, Because we were sinful, he had to punish sin together with the sinner. He had to punish you together with your sins. But that punishment fell upon Jesus. He took our condemnation. That's why he says, this is my body. And it's given up for you. It's on your behalf. On the cross, I will take the full blame for your mistakes. It's as if you've never sinned, and it's as if I, Jesus saying, committed all your sins. The way God sees this entire picture, it says, if you're as righteous as Christ is, and he is as sinful as you are. I'm going to say it again, because I really missed the amens there. And the glory to God's because this is good news. Come on, I, I'm sharing good news with you. That the way God sees what was taking place on the cross, God looking from heaven on Jesus on the cross, it's as if Jesus is the sinner, Jesus is the one sinful, as if He sinned your sins, and you are as righteous as Christ is. I always say this the cross was a divine exchange. And I mean, Paul makes this very clear. I'm going to put it, I'm going to say it in his words now, that he who knew no sin became sin, namely Christ. He never knew sin. He never committed sin. He lived a sinless life. He was perfect and righteous and holy, altogether holy, perfectly holy, trice holy, 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 holy. Hello? Holy from beginning to end. He who knew no sin became sin. Do you believe that? The second half of this verse, it's, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or something. The second half of this verse is as true as the first half. It says, just as he who knew no sin became sin, you became the righteousness of God in Christ. You see the exchange? That's why Jesus is saying, the body was crushed. His body was given up to bring you peace with God. <laughs> Glory to God. To, he was crushed under God's punishment. That was intended for us, rightfully so. We escaped it because of Jesus. He saved us. I mean, I don't know if you know, but salvation means to to be rescued from imminent danger. That's what it means, to be rescued from imminent danger. You were rescued. What was this danger? The very wrath of God. But because he loved you while you were still a sinner, Christ died in your place. His body given up. The bread represents his body. And Jesus wants us to know this, to never forget this, to remind ourselves of this. How many times do we easily forget and it affects how we relate to God? How many times do we ignore and it affects how we approach God? We're timid, we're shy, we're running away from God. We don't relate to him. We don't approach him even when we need because we think we're unworthy, undeserving, that we're not good enough or that we're God's bad side. So if we approach him, all he has for us is judgment. It's what we think because we stopped reminding ourselves that, hold on, that was true at one point. At one point, you really weren't good enough to approach God. You really were unworthy, not good enough to approach God, undeserving of anything from God besides wrath. Blessings, favor, forget that. But now it's true because his body was crushed on your behalf, because your punishment befell upon him, not on you. If God judged your sins in Christ, He cannot judge you anymore. Otherwise, He would not be considered a righteous and good judge. No sin can be punished twice. It was once, and the Bible says, and for all. Come on, that's good. That's how strong the. The blood of Jesus is. That's how powerful the sacrifice of Jesus was. His body was given up for you, right? Isaiah says it was the punishment that befell upon him brought us peace with God. Why? Because there God depleted himself of this anger that we refer to. This righteous anger. God emptied himself of wrath and anger in Christ. Towards you there is not an ounce of anger from the part of God anymore. Do you believe that? This is the good news that there isn't a single ounce of anger from the part of God towards you anymore. What if when you mess up, there is not an ounce of anger from the part of God towards you anymore? Not an ounce he, he cannot be angry at you anymore because he emptied, he depleted his anger on Christ once and for all on your behalf. You guys believe that? Once and for all. He's not angry at you. He cannot be angry at you. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a just and righteous and good God. He was angry at one point, he poured his anger. Christ you know the Bible says something about God the Bible says that God is rich in love but it never says that he is rich in anger and when God is angry it it's not like us when we get angry it's because we're being prideful it's because we're we're when God is angry it's holy and it's good anger and I mean you, you you can experience good anger too when you see when you when you hear stories in the news. Uh, you know, those horrible news, people getting murdered or sickness, right, and we get viruses all the time now and hear those stories, it angers you, at least it angers me towards this broken world and how how people are, are, are just broken and hurt. It angers me when I see injustice. It angers me when I see prejudice and racism and inequality. When I see all these things, it angers me, this righteous anger. Hello, are you with me? But the Bible never says that God is rich in anger. The Bible never says that God is rich in in judgment. The Bible says that God is rich in love. He can and was depleted of anger on the cross. He can never be depleted of love towards you. His love will never run dry. His grace will never run dry. That's why the Bible says that his mercies renew upon us every morning. Every morning. It doesn't mean that, oh, he ran out today, I have to wait until tomorrow because today I messed up. No, no, no. Like the Bible is just saying, look, he can never run dry or run out of mercy to give because that's who he is. He's mercy full, full of it. He's rich in love. He's rich in love. He can give love and he'll always have more to give. <laughs> he can give grace he'll always have more to offer. He can never be depleted of his grace. You can never use it too much. He can never be, his grace can never be ran out. He always has grace to give. Always has love to give. Always has mercy to give. Amen. And then he continues. He says, and likewise, he refers now to the cup and the wine. He says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now his, his blood served another purpose. The Bible says, and by the words of Jesus, says that his blood was to establish a covenant with us. We have a new covenant with God. You are in a binding agreement with God that cannot be broken. That's what a covenant is. And when God makes this covenant with you, it cannot be broken. And it's unlike the old covenant. It's unlike the old covenant. It's a new covenant Christ makes with us. There's an old covenant of works, and this is like Old Testament stuff. Old covenant that God had established with the nation of Israel. You approach God based on how good you were. That has changed. You approach God now based on how good Jesus is. Before you approach God, you could only approach God if you were perfect. Now you approach God because of Jesus' perfection. Hello, are you guys with me? Before you had to make yourself right, before you came before the presence of God, now Christ has made you right, and you come before the presence of God. Before you had to deserve things from God, now Christ has given you things from God. Hello, that's the new covenant. The author of Hebrews says it is better than the old covenant. And if, if there's a new covenant, the old is running out and is obsolete, the Bible says. So his blood served to ratify. It's the signature from heaven. That he's establishing a binding agreement with you that determines how we relate to him. And how we relate to him is based on his grace and love. That's why Paul sometimes calls this covenant the covenant of grace. Not the covenant of law. And there's a clear distinguishing, um, a um, clear difference between the both. The covenant of law, of works, and the covenant of grace. And it's all over the scripture. The blood of Jesus was established, this new and better covenant, enacted in better promises, the Bible says. Amen. Amen. Not only that, but the blood of Jesus served to forgive us. He says this in, in the book of Matthew, that his blood is being poured out to forgive us. The, uh, Paul also says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 9. He says that by the blood of Jesus, we've been justified. So his blood forgives, and his blood justifies. I think I've said this before. One of our services, maybe, but I'll say it again. You know, forgiveness wasn't enough. And the issue is a lot of us think that that's all we have before God, that we're just forgiven. But forgiveness wasn't enough. You know what forgiveness is? Look, we had a debt with God, right? We had sin. We have a debt with God. God is holy. God is righteous. We're not. uh Uh-oh. We have a debt with God. Christ came. Christ forgave us. We have a clean slate. But forgiveness means we're in zero we're not on negative anymore guys we're on zero this is already good enough right I mean who would like to have all their debts paid I mean I'm not I'm not saying like I'm gonna give you a million dollars I'm just gonna pay your debts that's good enough for me but what Jesus did was beyond that because his goodness has no you can't measure it his love has no measurement you know, Paul prays, look, I just want you to grow in the love of God so that you can learn and know how, how wide it is, how how big it is, how great it is, the depth, the width, the length of this love of God. So forgiveness is just giving you a clean slate with God. So good news, your debt was forgiven. Amen. When the accuser comes, the debtor, right, he comes, the what is it called? The collector, right? I don't know if you ever received one of those phone calls. He comes in and he tries to collect. You say, My debt is paid. My debt is, your debt is paid. He will still accuse you, he will still try to come collect, but it's paid. But not only that, Jesus also justified you. Now, let me tell you where justify gets you to. Justify justification grants you access, complete, uninterrupted, full access, no matter what, in spite of, regardless of, to everything God is and everything God has. All of God's blessings and favor are upon you. In fact, Paul says this: that we already have been blessed with all of all sorts of blessings from the heavenly places. You have been blessed. You have God's favor. Because you're forgiven and you're justified. Amen. That's what his blood did to us. It wrote a new contract with God. Not based on how good you are, how cute you are, how holy you are, how polished you are. How No, based on how Christ is, okay? And that's the beautiful part of this covenant. That it cannot be broken because... I don't know if you're paying attention. It's, it's first and foremost a contract between God and God. It's like God and Jesus. So that's why the Bible says that he can still be faithful even when you're not faithful. Because you can never break this contract. Because it's not based upon you. Hello, are you guys with me? It's not based upon your faithfulness. It's based upon how, how faithful Jesus is. Do you think Jesus will will ever break his part of the contract? Never. Jesus will never fail to to respond to the perfect requirements of his part of the contract. So you're good. Because Jesus represents you. You're not representing Jesus in this picture. Jesus is representing you. Are you guys with me? And then in the words of Apostle Paul, and I'll finish with this, this passage. I don't know if we're going to have time to read all of it, but it's important that we understand at least what Paul is saying here. Paul talks about communion. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. It says, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. Watch this. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. Can we have fun in here? You know, when, when, when Jesus was, during the last supper, he says, one of you will betray me. You know, Peter turns to him and says, Jesus, will I betray you? Jesus says, no, Peter, you, it's not you. And Simon asks Jesus, Jesus, am I the one that's going to betray you? Jesus says, no, it's not you. And then Judas, he goes, Jesus, am I the one to betray you? And Jesus goes, yeah, am I the one that's going to betray you? It was supposed to be a joke. Um, so this is my Verse 24. <laughs> Come on, guys. And then after th- th- this actually happened, you know, of course, Jesus didn't go, I'm not going to betray you to Judas. But um, Judas actually asked that question. And then after that, Jesus took bread and they shared the Last Supper, as it is known, the Last Supper of Jesus with his disciples. And then Paul's referring to that moment here. You guys still with me? You guys still good. I, mean, I got to come up with better jokes. Or, you guys, or, or I would just blame you and, and say, you got to drink more coffee and maybe you guys are not awake enough. I know it's me. Don't worry, guys. Verse, 20, verse 24. When he had given thanks, he broke it, the bread and said, this is my body. Again, Paul is just paraphrasing what Jesus said. This is my body, which is for you. Do this remembrance of me. Verse 25. In the same way, also, he took the cup after, uh, after supper, saying... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And verse 27. Now, guys, the reason why I'm sharing this about communion is because, first and foremost, um, it's something that we do as believers. When we come together here at our church, we do it uh, usually just uh, once a month. And it's the first Sunday of the month. And we do this. And I want you uh, uh, to, to take this moment seriously. It's sacred. It's holy. That we are reminding ourselves of what Christ has done for us. Um, but not, not only that, the Bible actually encourages us to, whenever we gather together, it doesn't have to be in a church service to share communion. You can share communion as a family. You can share communion at your life group. Uh, you can share communion at church service, not just the first Sunday, but every, every Sunday as we remind ourselves, this great reminder of who Christ is, what he's done for us and on our behalf, of his great love. Hello, you guys with me? But oftentimes, I've, I've met people and Christians who, who don't want to share communion, and they come up with all these excuses, and it seems legitimate. Now it saddens me, though, because their excuses usually lies with, I, I, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not good enough to partake in the Communion. And why? Verse 27. Yeah, verse 27. Look what it says. Whoever therefore, it's because of this verse. Many, many people have, have read this, have understood it wrongly, but I want to read with you and clarify really what it means. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. In the last verse, verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. And then maybe you've heard a pastor approach you and tell you, look, before this holy moment, I want you to examine yourself. Before you take the cup, you better pray and ask God for forgiveness of all your sins. And they make this very grave, very serious It's a serious moment, but let me me tell you from Scripture, from this very same passage that so many times people have used to beat us down, to show you what Paul was truly saying. I don't know if you remember, but the church in Corinth, these guys were um, a crazy and messed up church. Paul loved them. Paul, the founder of that church, loved them. They were still brothers in Christ. They were still at the church, but it was a pretty crazy church. They were wild. Well, to the point that they were getting drunk during communion. It goes to show that when they shared communion, it wasn't grape juice, it was wine. Here at our church, we, we do it with grape juice, okay? But anyway, it doesn't really matter as long as you're doing it in remembrance of Jesus. Amen. That's what we believe in. And it, But these people were getting drunk, and they are going wild and crazy. And what was happening is they would actually have a feast, and they would bring a lot of bread. It wasn't just, you know, the... Tiny, tiny little piece that we have in the little cup, like they'll bring jars and like, you know, the, it, it would be the whole deal. And then, and then what would happen is a lot of people would just jump towards the food and eat it all. And some people would not have any part of the bread. Some people would not be able to partake in communion. Some people were getting drunk. And Paul is correcting that type of behavior. Paul's correcting that in saying this. Hello, you guys with me? Paul is not correcting our shortcomings. Paul is not telling these people to discern um, their shortcomings, their flaws, their limitations, their mistakes, their sins. Paul is not telling them this group of people, or us for that matter, who are still reading this nowadays. Paul is not telling us, it was never his intention, for us to look at ourselves during the moment of communion. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense with what Jesus said. That communion is not a remembrance of us and our mistakes. It is a remembrance, a reminder of Christ and what he's done on our behalf because of our mistakes. You see how it doesn't make sense to say, oh, look at yourself before you drink. Make yourself right before you drink. It doesn't make sense. It's not part of it. So what is Paul saying? Because he he uses some words here. Verse 27, he says, look, you got to discern the cup. Don't drink it in an unworthy manner. Let me explain to you Explain to you what that means. Paul is not saying if you are unworthy, don't drink. That is not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying is the way they were drinking was unworthy. Why? They were getting drunk. They were doing it without remembering Christ. The first thing that happens when you get drunk is you lose a little bit of memory. Right? So you couldn't be remembering anything. So... So it, it, what Paul is saying is, look, it's not it's not you. Paul's not referring to the person being worthy or unworthy. Paul is saying, referring to the way they were doing it. Hello, are you guys, with me. What is the worthy way of doing it? Paul explains by discerning what the body means, what the bread means, and what the cup means. It's not by just having a feast. the the bread and the and the cup the the wine the grape juice wasn't just for a feast. Hello, are you guys with me? It wasn't just to party. Paul was teaching them, look, Jesus told us to do this, not to party with it. Not, not just because, otherwise it would be pointless. It would make sense for Jesus to tell us, you know, break some bread once in a while and drink some grape juice. No, no, no. Like, Paul is saying, look, there's a, 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 the worthy manner of doing this is by discerning what the bread means and discerning what the cup means. That is what, is what Paul is referring to. And then he goes on to say, and a lot of people get scared, like, if I drink this and I am unworthy, I will have judgment upon myself and I will die. Because Paul says, this is the reason why a lot of you are sick. And this is the reason a lot of you are dying. What does that mean? It's because, remember what I said? That by his stripes we are healed. A lot of people who are sick died in their sickness when, when God could have healed them. But because they are not discerning the body of Christ, not discerning the blood of Jesus, they're dying in their sickness. You see what I mean? It's not judgment from God. Let me tell you, God is not judging. You know, God is not using coronavirus to judge. I have to say, God does not use natural disasters to judge. God is not judging. There is a judgment day. It is coming. It is scheduled in God's agenda. But it will be one day, God will judge all things at one point. Hello, you guys with me? So right now, he's not judging. Hello, you guys with me? It wouldn't make sense. It it really wouldn't make sense. Oh, man, I have a lot more to say. But I don't want to take too much of your time. So I I just want to make sure it's clear to you. Because Paul says, verse twenty-seven. Therefore, whoever eats of the uh, um, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, you see, it's talking about the way that is being, uh, the community is being shared. It's not talking about the person. You are worthy. Hello. You are right with God. God has declared you to be worthy of Him. Hello, are you guys with me? You know, John says, I think Sam, Sam uh, said that verse last night we were talking. He said something like this. John says it. He writes this in 1 John chapter 4. I don't know if you know the verse. I think it's verse 19. He says that just as Christ is, so are we. Are you guys with me? Just as Christ is, so are we. What does that mean? What does that mean? Think about it. It's very assertive. The verse is very clear. Just as Christ is, so are we. As righteous as he is, so are we. As deserving as he is, so are we. I'm not talking about deserving of worship. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm saying you have an access to God. His blessings, his, you're a child. You have access. Anyway, so so Paul is, Paul is not talking about your worthiness, Even though you are worthy, though. He's talking about the way you share communion. And then he says, verse 28, Let a person examine himself, then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This examination is not of us in regards to our sins. It's examined to see if we're drinking and eating communion in this worthy manner. Guys, is it clear what I'm trying to say? That when we share communion, we got to know what the bread means, what it represents. Otherwise, it loses its point to remind us of what Christ has done. And the blood of Jesus that saved us, redeemed us, that has the power to heal us. We got to know what it means. We got to know what it means. So we examine ourselves to know, yes, I'm doing this. I'm very aware. I'm very clear what this means and what this represents. This is important. So I'm partaking in this. And if I'm sick, I'm I'm gonna be healed. And if 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 you think you're still distant, you're gonna be brought near. If you think you're dirty, you're gonna be washed anew. You understand what I'm saying? Like God has justified you, God has made you right, God has forgiven you, and that moment it serves to remind you of that powerful truth, unchanging truth. And I wanna finish our service today by sharing communion. You're sharing communion. Um, I don't know if we got the volunteers to help us go around. You know, the author of Hebrews says, in Hebrews chapter 12. He says that the the blood of Jesus speaks. The blood of Jesus speaks. Of course, it's not literal. But it's a statement. The blood of Jesus speaks is a statement. What is it saying? What is it saying about you? If it speaks, what is it saying about you? We have the verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant... Into to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus served to ratify, mediate a new covenant and it's speaking something. The author of Hebrews, I want you to pay attention, I'm going to finish with this, I promise. The author of Hebrews is, saying, is, is making a contrast between the blood of Jesus and the blood of Abel. I don't know if you guys remember Abel and Cain. You know, the Basically, one of the first stories of the Bible, how Cain killed his own brother, Abel. And I don't know if you guys remember, but the Bible says something about the blood of Abel that was shed on the ground. It said that it spoke of judgment. The blood of Abel speaks of judgment. It cries out for judgment, for punishment. That is the contrast the author of Hebrews is making between the blood of Abel, a righteous blood being spilled that cries out for judgment, punishment, and the blood of Jesus. What does the blood of Jesus speak? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Redemption. Righteousness. Justification. Healing. Restoration. That's what the blood of Jesus is saying about you. This. This is the juice that we're about to, to drink. Represents this. It speaks on your behalf. It speaks on your behalf. You guys with me? You guys understand what I'm trying to say this morning? This is so special. Because my hope and my expectation is that you'll never deny to share communion ever again. A lot of times, preachers and even ourselves, we may... We made this moment about us. Oh, man, how good have I been? Am I worthy? Am I good enough? Am I, am I holy enough? Am I just enough? How are my works? What have I done this week? What have I done last week? How have I treated such and such person? Right? We made this moment about us. We are discerning us. We are examining us. We are looking at us. We are remembering us. We are reminding ourselves of us. And so many times, not good things. If anyone here has ever taken communion and declared themselves, yeah, today I'm good enough. Shame on you. Because if if it was true, if, if it was based on us, then let's just throw this away. No one is good enough. But this is not Thank God, a reminder of us, it's of Him, His goodness, His mercy, His love, what He has done, His body that was crushed on the cross, that received the sheer weight of God's punishment on our behalf, His blood that was shed for a new and better covenant, another way, a new and living way that we relate to God based on His grace, not our works. And not only that, but for the forgiveness of our sins. And for our justification, we are righteous before the presence of God. Therefore, we have complete access to Him, everything He has. Amen. This is the reminder of that. This blood speaks. Discern this, know this, remind yourself of this. Oh, I hope that we, we've gained just a little bit more of wisdom and revelation, knowledge of what this moment means and what it's about. It's about Christ, it's about a person, it's about Jesus. It's about what he's done. It's about his love for you, the love of the Father in sending Jesus. Oh, and it's for his glory. Like, you take this and you glorify him. You give him thanks. You exalt him. You magnify him. You point to him and say, God, you're good beyond measure, even when I'm not. Even when I'm not, to know that this has transferred us from God's bad side to God's good side, under his favor, under his grace. To know the power of this. It has the power to heal us, to redeem us, to save us. Seriously, guys, like I just, I just, I just hope I have transmitted this to you this morning. That when we partake this moment right now, we do this with, with joy. Like we should expect for every first Sunday of the month, I get to partake in God's holy communion. And remind myself with other believers that man, you have falls? So do I. But man, we are under God's grace. He saved us. He redeemed us. And He is perfecting us. Well, we we fell, we sh- we, we fell short again this week. It's okay. God, the Spirit of God is going to lead us back to Him. There's still a way because you're not the way. He is the way. Oh man, this, you see how special this is? you see how holy this is in this moment it's not sacred and holy because it's are you worthy are you good enough no 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 it's because he is good because he is worthy oh there, there, there won't be anyone like him there never was there never will the only one worthy of it all the only one good and perfect in all his ways the only one completely righteous on his own our righteousness is an imputed one his righteousness is his own hello you guys with me come on let me let me encourage you to let's all stand up at this moment we're, we're we're finishing with this if you can go ahead and open the first lid and just before we just before we we share communion don't eat the bread yet it's all good and open the second lid give you access to the grape juice just before we just before we drink communion before we share communion usually at our church let me explain to you how we do it we usually share communion with the person next to us we'll exchange our breads like we'll give each other our own little pieces of bread we'll exchange cups with the people around us because communion the way jesus shared communion was with a group of people it's a reminder that we're in it collectively that guys we're a body we're a family we're all different and we're all different We're all in different um, 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 stages in this journey with God. We're all in it together. We're all being perfected still. No one has reached it. So usually the way we do it at our church is we open the the lid and we just give the person next to us the bread and we share cups. But just before we do that, before we do do that, I want to encourage you to close your eyes right now. Let's do that. Just for a moment. Just close your eyes as you're holding the bread and holding the cup in your hands. If you drink it, that's fine. It's in you. Just, just hold it. And just Hold the bread. Hold the bread in front of you. Now, I want us to discern the bread together as a church. Pay attention. We're not looking at ourselves. We're looking at the bread. And In Jesus' words, what does it represent? It represents his body. According to Isaiah, the prophet, it's the body that was crushed on the cross. it's it's, it's the body that received the stripes for our healing it's the body that was crushed to bring us peace this is what we're holding we're holding our peace guys (laughs) peace with God we have peace with God this is what we're holding we're holding our healing right in front of us if it's healing that we need if we have any problem issue with our body or healing from our soul if there's if our soul is broken if we're just carrying around just shame or guilt, whatever it is, this right here that we're holding is our freedom, is our healing, is our restoration, is our peace. That's the body. Let me pray. Let's just hold the body, the, the bread. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for this piece of bread right now. It serves as a reminder for all of us of your body that was crushed on the cross on our behalf. And the stripes that you received was for our healing. The punishment that befell upon you, which was ours, was to bring us peace with God. We thank you that this right now represents exactly that. And if we need healing right now, it will grant us exactly that. I pray in Jesus' name and giving thanks and giving you praise that on the cross, oh, Jesus, you took the blame. You took our fall. Oh, you were condemned on our behalf. And that's why Paul will say, inspired by the Holy Spirit, therefore now there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because you took the blame. You took our fall. Thank you, Jesus. Now hold the cup in front of you. This represents the blood of Jesus, guys. The blood of Jesus that served to enact, to ratify, to establish a new and better covenant based on His grace not our works. This is the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for our forgiveness of all our sins, not partially. He doesn't forgive partially. His blood is so strong, it forgives us completely, and it's once and for all. And this blood not only forgave us, it justified us according to His word. The blood of Jesus justified you. It made you right with God once and for all. And it keeps you right with God. When God looks at you, he sees the blood. He doesn't see you. He doesn't see your mistakes. He sees you covered by the blood of Jesus that gives you access to him. And he loves you. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for this blood that represents your blood. Thank you for this cup that represents your blood. We thank you, Jesus, that you took the cross and your Your blood was shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins we thank you and we receive that right now forgiveness of sins we receive that right now justification we receive this right now and we thank you that we don't have to examine ourselves we just have to look at you we don't have to discern ourselves we just have to discern what you've done in jesus name i pray